I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today it is the rock and roll as Sebastian Bach returns to TIJ. It's just as crazy and as chaotic as you think it's going to be. Dude, I went to Sebastian's house in L.A. and sat in his living room with him and his three-year-old uh, stepson, Trace, and his turntable and album collection. Uh, Sebastian's a vinyl collector, and he's going to walk us through uh, some of his more recent album finds and play some of them for us, which he insisted. Uh, but the real reason why I was at Baz's house was to talk about his tremendous new book, 18 in Life on Skid Row. It's out now and it's a great read. Uh, Sebastian wrote it himself. Uh, he was actually influenced by my four books. It really is uh, the epitome of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's everything the metal scene was in the late 80s and early 90s and you're going to hear a couple of the stories that Sebastian wrote about in the book right here on this show, including uh, stuff from Skid Row's tour with Guns N' Roses in the early days uh, a tour uh, the stories with their tour with Pantera, a great prank that Pantera pulled on Sebastian when they opened for Skid Row. Sebastian's run-in with Tommy Lee of Motley Crue backstage in Moscow and the entire Bon Jovi family, father included. Of course, the infamous San Francisco night, he and Lars Ulrich, Talk is Jericho alumni, uh, when they stayed up partying all night and what happened was Sebastian's grandmother came knocking on the door the next morning. It's another wild ride with one of my favorite characters in rock and roll, Sebastian Bach. It's coming up. Talk is Jericho. We're at Sebastian Bach's house in the Hollywood Hills. And we're rolling, right? We're rolling, dude. That's yeah. great. We're listening. We put, it, put on some April wine. Yes. Which is perfect. Two Canadians. I like uh, Sebastian Bach. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Bach. That's right. I like to rock. Some like wine. the Bach, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> dude, did you ever used to sing these songs? Did oh, you ever all do a lot of yeah? Because like there was in the early '80s this amazing time of all these great Canadian bands that came out about the same time frame. Well, let's paint the picture for our listeners here. We are in my living room. I have four record players in this house. There's an insane system in the dining room. This is the best one here. I got another one downstairs, mm-hmm. and, and I, I collect it. File. Yeah, I. 
It sounds great to me. Mm-hmm. It just sounds. See what vinyl does is it captures the year that it was made. This I sounds mean, like '78 to me or '81 or as whenever far as it came the sound, out. The, the, yeah, the because vibe of it. think of the variables involved in putting out an album. You're talking about the equipment that it's everything that touches it from from recording to mastering to where it's mastered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the to what it's mastered on to. What the technology was at that time, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, right, right. So right, when right. you buy an old record <laughs> that was made then, that's what it sounded like then. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. That's interesting, yeah. And, you know, I read an article online, like, of the, the bands in the mid-90s, like Smash Mouth. Okay, their big hit, Mr. Rockstar, whatever. Uh, uh, hey, now, sun. you're a rock oh, star. Yeah, 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 yeah. They tried to remix that, okay, for a new release recently, okay? But what happened was, you know when you buy your computer, all the plugins, like Netscape Communicator, stuff that was out in 96, okay? Right. They recorded that song <laughs> with these outdated plugins that don't exist anymore. So when they called it back up, up on the board without all these computer plugins, it, it's un, it, unmixable. It's obsolete. It, yeah. Oh, wow. So it, it's like some songs, if you don't have your Netscape communicator version 2, you know it's, what I mean? It can never be like, changed. That's right. It's stuck so forever. That's why when people get in this argument about analog versus digital, um, I'm a member of this Facebook group called Kiss My Wax, which is fanatical about collecting records and and there's a, a, a argument on there that uh, uh, has to do with the reissues that came out versus the original copies, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, to me, the reissues are awesome, but they sound like 2014 when right, you put right. them on. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. get a clean original copy of a record, it sounds like the year it was mm-hmm. made. That's why mm-hmm. there's such a, a collector's... Premium now. For that, yeah. yeah. It's amazing though. Like you forget too when you listen to a, a record son- sonically. Yeah. How much better it is, how much more detail, how intricate it is. The tambourine, like right now, actually, the tambourine is going to come in and you can hear it. Whereas if you're listening through your iPhone, just by, I mean, it's impossible because it's a small little speaker. But that's what most music is listened to now. I know. Well, you know, I don't listen to that like that. I do when I'm on the go. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. On the airplane, I can't bring my record player. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So there's definitely something to be said for that. And I, those guys that tour, like uh, we did a tour with Theory of a Dead Man. Mm-hmm. And they bring their record player on the road with them wow. in a road case wow. and set it up. Do they know? have one on the bus? I don't think they have one on the, the bus. I want to put one on the bus. But you'd have to get some kind of a moving uh, uh, like base for it. But it would be it. so killer to play <laughs> records on the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. What's, what's, so, so do you collect uh, vinyl? Yes. Like intensely to where you buy I rare, do. rare stuff yeah. as well? I just went to the Pasadena record swap yesterday <laughs> and I picked up um, Queen Sheer heart attack Japanese pressing wow okay from 72 it's right over there uh-huh. 30 bucks that was the most I paid Steely Dan Pretzel Logic Quadraphonic mix okay <laughs> like you never see that yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and right, it right. sounds crazy do you um, I like like the uh the special versions of re- records that were put out then, but like mobile fidelity sound versions or the, you know what I mean? Like the so, the, spe- the audiophile versions of old records are crazy. So it's real technical stuff that you're talking about here. Well, they, they would 
print special versions, like half speed mastered version of like Doobie Brothers, minute by minute. Oh, and it okay. like makes you, cr- or like white label promos. Now what is that? That's like a first ever printing of a record. So I got all of these yesterday. At Amoeba, or where'd you get no, them from? Pasadena. Oh, it's from the Pasadena. Call, it's a first Like a flea market. Yeah. This is an Aerosmith white label promo. Hold this, dude. Like, that's like a test press. Right. So you can't get much more close to the sound that Aerosmith, Aerosmith Night was Rods. going for. And it says, demonstration not for sale. <laughs> right? This is what I bought yesterday. <laughs> I love, that's like a treasure to me. Just finding this in a flea market. Yeah, I know, right? right? What I pay? Nine, 19 bucks. <laughs> For the white label Here's promo. your 19 bucks. <laughs> yeah, dude. Space 1999. <laughs> the exciting new on hit vinyl. series on vinyl. I've never seen that. Are they, are they, do they tell never stories on here or something? I, Is there I haven't music even put on it there? on. I haven't, but I bought it just for fun. And that's what they used to do. They would put I got out, this with like the order form. We're looking at draw the line with the draw the line t-shirt special offer order form. Yeah. You can, you I paid you. a whopping $6 <laughs> for that. <laughs> Super disc. Listen to the difference. Doobie Brothers. This is more the so- sonic. Yeah, an audiophile version of like What a Fool Believes. Wow. The great album cover of the Doobie Brothers. Jeff Skunk Baxter just killing Aerosmith it. Aerosmith Rocks, which I already have, but I bought this only because it's a first pressing for three bucks. Three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Here's the quadraphonic Steely Dan. Pretzel Logic. ABC Records. And it actually says quadraphonic yes. on it. Command quadraphonic. Wow. Queen. And then the Japanese she- Sheer Heart Attack. 72. With the Japanese right. This one was a little more expensive. 30, 30 bucks. bucks. Yeah, which is well worth it. The Japanese vinyl is much thicker. Yeah, and, which is you which gives you quality, so, better sound. In one day... That makes me happy, man. Yeah. Those are like treasures to me. And this is one thing I always love talking because you are still a huge music fan. Like you love, even though you're a huge rock star in your own right, you still in a second would be asking Brian May, you know, to tell you stories about sheer heart attack, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm also like a collector. I love collecting things and comics. And, and this vinyl thing is like so uh fun because for years like everybody else i've just been downloading files right. onto my phone yeah, yeah yeah and it's so different like that's such a different scene right you can't stumble ac- across a japanese first pressing mp3 on the internet like i used to oh, love i found I used to love the experience of buying an album where yeah. you had plastic and you would run your thumb down yes. the side of and it. Yes, it smelled, too. Yeah, you would smell that, that uh, the, the vinyl smell. I love that. And then pull it out and be excited if there was liner notes. Right. Some bands didn't have them. That's ACDC right. never had them. True. True. But then, you know, you're talking about like Kiss or Iron yeah. Maiden. They would they would take advantage of this. Yeah. yeah. And always give you something cool. Like a Cracker Jack box. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I was like... See, ACDC is Skid Row. I don't want to touch them. Who do you like? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Skid it's like, Row, Trey. Skid we, Row. We, we, we come to Sebastian's house. We've got music playing. We're looking at records. Trace this is, is hanging great. out. He's three years old. There's my dog, the Oliver. dog is around. Everybody's around. we got coffee going. Coffee's coming over. Your lovely Woo! wife bringing coffee over. Hey, Baby, it's a classic right. Sebastian. Oh, and I got the. Uh, oh, he gets the perfect oh. kiss or oh. hug. We'll get away from the Japanese first person. <laughs> don't no, spill don't the coffee. I got an hey, incredible. Can you do me Hulk a favor? Mug. Put these albums over there. 
Thank you. You got the kiss mug. I can't have those anywhere near. Uh, okay. So we're here. We want to talk about sure. your, your great new book. Thank you. It's really well done. Yeah, uh, 18 in life uh, with, on Skid Row. That's right. With Skid Row or on Skid on, Row? On li- Skid Row. Think life on Skid Row. <laughs> Got it. Do you understand? With an 18 like and in matter. front of it. Well, that's when it started. Yeah. But it's a life sentence. <laughs> you never escape. What do you get when it's 18 and life on Skid Row? <laughs> what do you get? But, dude, we the, talk- What that reference is is that it doesn't matter whether they kick me out of the band or whether I'm in the band or whether I'm not in the band, just like Vince Neil or countless other frontman that labels put on me for the rest of my life. That's just the way it is. You're always going to be the voice. When I walk out this door, that's what I hear, along Mm -hmm. with the Gilmore Girls, Trailer Park Boys, but, you know, that's just the public... That's the public. But you see, we we have a lot in common, though. You, you you're very good at building the Sebastian Bach brand, and you've done a lot of stuff. You just mentioned very briefly things you've done outside of rock and roll, Gilmore Girls, the whole Broadway experience, the Trailer mm-hmm. Park Boys. I mean, you've done a good job at kind of uh, doing a lot of different things. Thank you for saying that. And one of my favorite reviews of the book, um, like the L.A. Weekly, they were doing an interview with me, and the guy came out and said, he goes. Okay, you're, you haven't been in Skid Row for a long time, but do you think that because you haven't been in that band, that your career has been more interesting? And I did, it was like, if you're looking as far as content ver- versus form, I would say my career has been more interesting. Because you were not because Skid Row. I'm just saying I have been allowed to do different things that possibly I would not have been able to do mm-hmm. if I was just in that band and I was not allowed to do anything else. And almost forced you to have to. And that's exactly right. Right? Yeah. I had to just concentrate on what's in the album or what, what's in the show as to what the name of it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you're talking about, you know, being leaving Skid Row, being out of Skid Row, getting kicked out, whatever it may be. A lot of guys would instantly go and start doing their own record or or you actually go the other way around and go to Broadway. I know it wasn't right after, but it was fairly. It was right after pretty much. No. Well, yeah. Four years, maybe. Four years. That's right. Right. Um, I just love singing and I liked I liked singing. Before I liked rock and roll. If anybody that's read the book knows that I was in the church choir, and rock and roll definitely came to me the same way Broadway came to me. I didn't ever go try to be on Broadway. They were told by Jason Flom, because they, they came to him, they go, we want a rock star. He was the one that told them, it's Sebastian. That's mm. the guy. That will do this, and he had to convince me that I could do it. I didn't think I could do it. As far as the acting side, of I didn't it think I was as good enough actor because I had never done it. I had only done acting in high school. Mm-hmm. I actually did do one major play in high school, but um, but obviously uh, not the same. But it was after Magritte, um, Tom Stoppard. <laughs> <laughs> I played the inspector. <laughs> but anyways, I when I went to see the play Jekyll and Hyde, it, it immediately reminded me of Lakefield College School where I went because like e- there were songs in there that I sang in my choir, like Land of Hope and Glory. There's a scene at the end of the play where Doctor Jekyll gets married, and the qu- the choir singing an old hymn that I used to sing in my oh, choir. Okay. Right, right. And I'm watching this and going, "This is crazy." Yeah, I have to do this. Uh-huh. So I love doing it. I just love singing. I don't have rules. Even in heavy metal, like like 
my goal right now, I'm about to start on a new record, and my goal is to totally make a vinyl album as far as the sound and everything, okay? Like, I'm going to concentrate on that. Mm -hmm. Whatever process that entails, I'm going to make a record like this April Wine record Mm. that I can drop the needle. It'll have these kind of sound qualities Vinyl first, yes. Then the CD, after. yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. what I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do. That's what I want to do. So uh-huh. that, that's what I'm going to try as hard as I can to do. Um, what, the, what were we talking about before? Well, that? you mentioned you're talking about. I'll, I'll take it over. You're talking about about we're talking about the play and all these different things that you do. And one of them now is being an author and writing a book, right? Because you can do anything you want. Now, one thing I found interesting <laughs> is that you wrote this book yourself, a hundred percent. Which is what I've done the same thing. Yeah, that's the, it. The comes through. Right on. It sounds like talking to Sebastian Bach. Well, when the lawyer, you know how you have to go through this process of the lawyer. The legal draft, yeah, yeah, I hated that. That yeah. made me not want to put the book out because he told me all the ways. <laughs> Didn't get sued. <laughs> I was, like, was there like, a lot of things you had to change because of that? Well, they told me to change the names of my childhood <laughs> friends who, like, I did acid with. I go, those guys will be. F- Stoked! Yeah. <laughs> they made the book. <laughs> There's no way I've changed. But um, I wait. We gotta... the, the, the record is ended. Yeah, we just need a, a robot arm to change it over. Well, you remember those old? Uh... They did have those, didn't they? No, you remember you could get record players that would change it for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. They would, they would pick it up and turn it over and drop okay, it down. Let's go for this record. All right, we went from. Oh, you're actually opening it. I've never even. See, look at it. You actually are sticking your thumb in there and opening the uh, the album. I can't see the cover of it though. What is it? Oh, so it's a Sebastian Bach yes. kicking and screaming. Screaming on vinyl. I don't have Give Him Hell on vinyl. It's pretty clean. That, you know that that was one of the things that like made me feel like a rock star when my record came out on vinyl. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. you know well, you. Dude, send me one. Yeah, of, of the vinyl, absolutely. Because yeah. like you said, you can actually hold it. You're looking at it. You see the actual dudes in the band. Yeah, and the sound, the sound. Um, We're talking about writing the book. Something for you. Oh, you look at this. Trace just drew me a picture. Thank you, buddy. So nice. Well, I drew one for Sebastian as well. What is that of? It's a tiger, I think. Is that a tiger? Oh, is this is dash it? Okay, let's do our interview here, buddy. Okay. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Writing the book. Ah, uh, the chaos of Sebastian. Imagine like driving around like in your truck, <laughs> listening to this. You're like, what the hell is going they on? They are, really are in his living room. Yeah, we really are. This is the real Sebastian. I always love talking to you because it always goes off into chaotic That's direction. That's funny. Which is half the love of it, though. But so, you know, we're talking about, write, about writing, yes. writing a book and writing oh, yourself okay. in your Okay, the lawyer. The oh, lawyer. the lawyer. Right, the lawyer. So he reads me back the part. He goes, he goes, let me read this back to you. And I go... I was in the air going to Moscow. Tommy Lee came up. I had a bottle of Jack. We started drinking Jack. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. And then Tommy wanted to beat my ass. He goes, did you... He pulled me across... Like, he was walking towards me backstage in Moscow. And I was like, hey! He was with all the Motley. Nikki, Vince, Mick. They were coming this way, and I was coming this way. And I go, hey, man. Hey, guys. (laughs) Tommy grabs me pulls me aside into the like a, into a fence did you f-ing tell somebody that i f-ing drank jack in the plane the lawyer's reading this to me and he's going no i didn't well yes i did no no i didn't well yes i did no no i didn't yes I did. of course i f-ing 
fucking dead. And he goes, he goes, that was as cool as getting a platinum record in 89, doing a shot with Tommy Lee of Motley Crue in a fucking plane going to Russia. Of course I told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and the lawyer's reading it back to me. He goes, he goes, you really did write this yourself, didn't you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, because it's stuff like this that you never would have got in your book if somebody else wrote it. Yes, exactly. Like the way you're si- describing it and shit. Sure. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. No, I didn't. Of course I f***ing did. He goes, the only one I could write that <laughs> so did, what is did you. Say after that? Was he- I haven't. You know, funnily enough, Tommy Lee's sister said she's coming over here right now. Okay. I haven't talked to Tommy in a while. I, you know what the funny thing is about the book? People were worried. If people were going to get mad, you know, about shit I'm writing about, I haven't heard one thing from anybody except for Eddie Trunk. He's the only guy that I heard anything about. What did he say? Just I don't. He's, no. <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, that but that oh yeah, Eric Luffglass too is another. Those are the only guys that go, hey, what's up? <laughs> and like no, and nobody cares about like what happened on the last show of the Bon Jovi tour, right? Right. Because like, right, yeah. there was a crazy headline in the New York Post. The day the book came out, it goes, John Bon Jovi's father, quote, unquote, threatened to kill Sebastian Bach. That was the headline in the post. And I'm like, F- that's a crazy headline. <laughs> what a great But who rate. cares, though? Well, go, go, this was a long time but tell, ago. Tell that story briefly. That was just a, that was an instance where I learned if you insult one Italian, the whole f- Family is coming at you. Right. <laughs> but plus two words. in Canada, like it's not really like like you, you saw the Canadian. The the grandpa really doesn't come down and kick your. <laughs> but I guess in Italy that's the way they do it. But did you did you insult them from stage when you were opening for them? Well, as you remember, back in those days, there was this whole custom of end of tour hijinks, which was where bands would play pranks on each other. Mm. I hated that shit. I'd throwing I, eggs on you or silly string or. It's, hard enough trying to sing that shit yeah i don't need to be being pelted with fart bombs or whatever (laughs) and so like so i never liked that but but that was you gotta read the book for the end of that but that was when bon jovi was pranking skid row and we basically dumped a bunch of cold milk yeah they took my yeah it's better in the book, but, right? But, but it's just the the basic story. Like, well, you okay, can't I, just dump that. I was that walking. Headline. Okay, I was walking to the stage. The lights went black for the opening of the show. The arena's pitch black. Three or four roadies. I couldn't see because I'm going like this. Grab me by my back, pull me under the stage, and by the back of the hair, and shove my head into a vat of ice milk. Milk, not even water. Yeah, milk. Milk. I go, what the f***? And I came up, and you know when you go swimming and it's too cold and your bones go, vertigo? Yeah. I f***ing had vertigo. And the song's going. Like the opening track. Yes, my song, and I run up there. (laughs) And I'm dripping in milk, and Rachel is thinking, what the f***? (laughs) Like I missed the whole first verse. So for the, for the rest, but bands used to do that. Right, right we right. all used to do that. I think one of the stupider times was when I was on the road in '97 with Pantera, my solo band. Out of the goodness of their heart, nobody knew knew why, but they brought me on tour for two weeks. Pantera and Anthrax and my solo band. And one time I go on stage and my lips start burning. I go, "What the?" F-? 
and I start wipe it. Then I wipe it in my eyes, and my eyes are burning on stage, like really bad. I go, what the? F-? And I turn and I look, and Dimebag is over there with a bottle of Tabasco, <laughs> and they had doused my mic in f-ing Tabasco. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucked. It really sucked. They were laughing their heads off. But they off. took you out because you took the Skid Row yes. took Pantera out when they were just a young band. We took them on the Vulgar Display of Power Tour. Mm-hmm. And that was how they broke. I'm yeah. not saying that's why they broke, but making it big in rock and roll is a combination of timing and opportunity. And that is when Pantera broke, mm-hmm. was on the road with Skid Row. Sure. I mean, Guy Sykes can, and Rex Brown can try to rewrite history in their book, but that's the fact. They, well, didn't, they didn't make it opening up for Sacred Reich, okay? <laughs> like, give me a f-ing break. But that, that, that must have been a, a, a good uh, kick in the ass for you guys, because Skid Row is a, is a deceptively heavy band. Like, you think of Skid Row, a lot of people think 18 in Life, which is a great side mm-hmm. of Skid Row, but... Heavy, heavy, heavy stuff, especially on Slave to the Grind and Forward. Monkey business is ridiculous. Very heavy. Slave threat. is heavy. Threat, the threat is, is heavy. You know, uh, uh, Riot Act. There's a lot yeah, of great yeah. stuff on there. You Mud know what's kicker, really Mud frozen kicker. off of great the tune. beginning of that is great. Really tune. crazy. I'm thinking of adding that back to the stuff. So when you when you go on tour with Pantera at this time frame and seeing how heavy and how intense they were did that influence you well some certain gigs i mean when you go and you do a tour it's a hundred gigs you know so some nights are different than others but i will tell you that a couple nights was no fun Mm -hmm. following those motherfuckers because they were on fire this is when phil anselmo performed shirtless every night that's how long ago that shit was <laughs> i mean he was ripped he was like a god uh-huh. he looked like rollins right all working out and and a different style of look at the time like kind of a shave yeah but me a mean yeah mean you know you rock and, guys are supposed to have long hair but cool. not him right, right. but but he he cared about his appearance then i, I i'm not saying he doesn't now mm. but he doesn't now <laughs> He did then. He yeah. did. He was a front man who looked amazing mm. on stage and intimidating. And and what with them amazing songs. Sure. And their live power, it was they were deadly. And deadly. changing the style of what was happening. Yeah, there was no band that sounded. They sounded like uh, Slayer meets ZZ Top. Right. That's what they sound like. With, with a Van Halen vibe. Of exactly. fun. They had groove. Yes, Which that's a right. lot of people don't associate with Pantera, but that was their secret. Was that's their, their groove, secret. Their pocket. Yeah. You know, it was a perfect band for that. When and you, they had very intelligent lyrics, I thought, at the time. Mm-hmm. Now now that there's that controversy that happened, uh, I, I, I don't know if those lyrics were saying something that I didn't even didn't know. Didn't think about, yeah. Which freaks me out and I hate thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not really but none of my business. Right, right, sure. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. 
That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. So when you're talking about writing a book, and obviously, like you said, it takes so much time. And your book is long. Yeah. The, the 400 plus I pages. I wanted it to be content because you only get one chance to make a first impression. And my whole vibe, just the way, same as Broadway, I want to write many, many books. I don't want like you've written yeah, yeah, three yeah. books. Yeah. That's incredible to me. I enjoy writing. That's why like, I like it. Yeah. You know, I like it. It's like making a record. You start yeah. with nothing and you create this thing and you're constantly revising it and it's editing It's like making it, a very long it. record. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I equaled it out. Like if you're talking about how much money you make per hour writing a book, it's about seven cents. <laughs> That's right. You know, because you're right. putting hundreds of hours into this thing. It took me four years. Four years to do you it. You know, I got to say, writing about your childhood is more fun writing about your adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because you have to really because, think back. But also, when you're a kid, you're so innocent and wide-eyed. And if you really describe what that's like, it's like a joy mm-hmm. to write about when you're a little boy, you know. And then you become an adult, and you're like, then this happened. And they're like, life is heavy. But I love reading about, like, about, your, about your dad, because obviously your dad's always kind of been a part of, of, of your legacy, painted the, the uh, Slave to the Grind cover. Yes, he and, did. You know, reading about him as a dude. He was and, wild. And, you know, it, it must have been kind of interesting to I, go back You know, to any, I judge things on whether I, this is going to sound really, I don't know, okay. You know on Netflix you're allowed to rate every movie? And I love doing that because everybody rates my shit. So I can't, every, every time I watch I'm going, what am I going to give this? Is this three stars, four stars, yeah, five yeah. stars? Only time I will give a five star is when I, tears come to my eyes. Oh. That sounds really, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the word Flaky. is. Flaky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to use a different word. Yeah, no, we know what we're talking about. We can't about. use that yeah. anymore. But anyways, uh, but if I if that happens and it does a lot, then I give the movie five stars. Because what am I watching it for? I want to feel something. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're talking about dads and stuff. I remember watching the movie Thor, the first Marvel Thor. And I was watching, I was enjoying it. I was formulating my review, though. And I was going, I was going this is like a four star. Not quite a five, but not a three. Like, I really dug it. Then the scene happened where that giant robot was in the town. And Thor didn't have his hammer. Mm-hmm. And, and that f***ing huge thing's coming at him. And then his dad in heaven says, give him the f***ing hammer. And it comes through space. Like, that killed me. Wow. That destroyed me. That made me cry. And that made Thor a five-star movie. Okay, right. Because that's a dad thing, mm-hmm. you know, and a son. Protecting the son. I think, you know, as much as I can't even fathom uh, the new politic 
scene that we live in. I can't even deal with it. I, I, I can't even – I don't have anything to say because it doesn't matter now. Mm-hmm. But like Tom Brady catches shit for uh, being Donald Trump's friend, right? But then he's like crying on TV about his dad. Right. And then and I'm like, I don't care if he likes Donald Trump. Yeah. Like he, I'm relating to him because mm-hmm. I think everybody feels like that, even if, either if they love them or they hate them. Because it's a thin line, you know? Yeah. People that were abused by their parents hate them more than anything. Right. But my dad turned me on to rock and roll and comic books. It's a great story of when he took you, you know. to see Kiss. It, it changed my whole yeah, personality. Yeah. Well, that made me cry. Uh-huh. Because it's all about family and rock and roll together. And that's when I knew my book was very close to being done, okay? Because if I'm reading it and I'm getting that reaction, I go, okay, you're pretty much done. Like, because if you can't even read it, like, what? How, how else? How much more do you want to do? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you also had a great uh, uh, um, kind of a mindset where you weren't not protecting anything, but you you let it all hang out. Well, all you know, some no, I didn't really. There was okay. lots more. All right, there's plenty of stories in there though where you did let it hang out. Yeah, but but um. Going into writing a book, I was like, oh, I'm going to tell this sex story. I was thinking a lot about sex, like guys think about sex, right? right? And I have a lot of shit that I could tell. And I wrote a lot of it down, planning to have it in the book. Then I would read it back. <laughs> go, then she unzipped my fly and reached for my manhood. And I go, dude, you're like Billy Bush on a train with Donald Trump grabbing pussy like what are you doing like I just felt like a creep right. reading it back like it didn't feel right like what are you in a are you a musician are you John Holmes like <laughs> right. what you're kind of bragging about it if that's it what it, I, I didn't I didn't yeah, yeah. Because a book's forever. And the thing is, it's obvious. I mean, dude, 1989, you're like the yeah. epitome of a rock star. Good-looking guy, great hair, great singer. It's pretty much common knowledge that you're probably having a lot of female... Uh, Before I got married, yeah. Yeah, of course. But yeah. So you don't have to hammer that home. We get it. I, and I don't, I don't, I don't like We know when, it. It's thank obvious. Thank God. Good, good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like to read. Right. I mean, to right. me, that's kind of gross. I, I read Paul Diano's book. <laughs> oh, I didn't read he's that. He's talking about like... Every chapter, I shag this book. No, I shag I'm not that into it. It's like, dude, it's like, you're like, enough. We get it, Paul. I okay, don't. great. See, enough. I read Joe Perry's. I've read all the books. Uh-huh. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Joe Perry's blew me away. I loved it. It was just about music. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm like, this is what I'm into. Yeah, I'm into That's music. I'm into it. Tell. That's what I'm into. Yeah, I don't care how many chicks he f-ed. like. I know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean a little of that goes a long way. There, there is some in there, but not nothing. What I did like was, it's a great quote, and I've heard it before, but it's like, you know, uh, I didn't like cocaine. I liked the way it smelled. <laughs> I think I stole that from someone. It's got to be from like Lemmy or something. It's a great rock and roll quote. You know what I mean? They wanted to put that in the, they put that in the back of the, I go, I go, I don't want that in the back of the book. They go, no, we love that. We love that. I go, okay, <laughs> there's so many great stories, and, 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 and trust me, it's a great book. But there's one story I, I want you to tell the okay. story about you and Lars and your grandmother. Oh, it's, a it's a, well, it's a long, I don't, you know, I don't want to just give it away, but, um, you know, back in those days, we did, we did a lot of coke. A lot of, this is a long time ago. That's why 
you know, everything is dated in the book. I put where it happened, what, when, it when happened, the year yeah. was, you know, because I don't want anybody thinking that he's doing this shit now mm. on his new tour, you know, because it's just, this is about a long time ago, but the fact of the matter is, in the 80s and early 90s, rock and roll bands did cocaine. We liked it. We thought it was killer <laughs> that's just the way it was <laughs> we didn't know any different that's the way it was yeah 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 so i mean we went to lars like hey sebastian let's go score some blow and i'm like all right so this was after me and lars and steven tyler went to the Farrell brothers strip club that iconic i can't remember the name of it um uh, that fan, they made a movie about it. In Hollywood? Or? No, a big movie about this strip club that's in San Francisco, the oh. O'Farrell Brothers. O'Farrell, the Farrelly Brothers? Something okay, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So Steven Tyler and me and Lars went there, and they hand out uh, laser pointers to people so you can like point at their pussies and stuff. <laughs> No, here I'm going into that territory. So it was funny. So uh, after the, that place closed, Lars said, let's go get some blow. So we drove to some place in Oakland, I remember. Mm. Some house, you know, on a street, and he pulls up his car. Well, you stay right here. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, he, so I was like, F- that, because he was knocking on the door for a while. So I was like, what's going on? So I got out of the car. I went up and. He, he go, I go, let's go. There's nobody here. Like the sun was coming up yeah. and it was f-ed up. And he goes, no, it's okay, man. Uh, it's all right. And he's like. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the blinds go up and there's a dude with a rifle cocked, pointed right at Lars's head, about to blow his head off. <laughs> I go, ah! And Lars goes, hey, man, it's me, man. And the guy goes, oh, no problem. But <laughs> Gun down. <laughs> Lars goes in. I go back to the car. Mm. I didn't go in there. Right. Lars comes back. And we go to his house. <laughs> we go up to, you know, get some beers. He had an elevator at his house. First house I ever went to that had an elevator. elevator. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So then as we're partying, he goes, Sebastian, I want to take you down in the, in the garage and I want to play the ultimate car stereo of all time. I was like, kill. Let's, uh, we always used to look, go in my garage in Jersey in my car and get f***ed up and listen to my stereo. Listen to tunes, yeah. yeah. So I go, okay. So we go down there. <laughs> we sit in his car. And he's like, okay, you ready? Yeah. And he turns it all on. It's all lit up. He looks at me. He's got it cranked. There's no sound. <laughs> like, what? He goes, hang on a second, man. <laughs> he keeps with it. There's no sound, nothing. And then he turns around. He looks in the back seat, and his windows have been smashed out. And where the speakers used to be was like two wires <laughs> coming out of the side of his car. And he's like, oh, f- man. And everybody just starts laughing. Ah, ha, ha, because he's so rich. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, who right. cares? He's in Metallica. Yeah. So that was funny. But then, you know, we, we went upstairs. We kept partying. All of a sudden, there's a knock, a, a knock on the door. It's like 11 a.m., 12 noon or something. We're gone, <laughs> shaking. And we think it's the fucking guy with the rifle. We don't know who the fuck it is. The door opens up, and in walks my grandma. <laughs> like, what? She goes, Sebastian. I go, And I'm so high that I can't even, like, I can't. And I have forgotten that I had told my grandma that I was spending the night at Lars and she could come get me. We're going to have a day together. 
at a family reunion. <laughs> and so I had to get right at noon while Lars went to bed. He's drinking beers, going to sleep. He's laughing as fucking head did he, off. Did he say hi to your grandma? Oh, yeah. He's laughing. He goes, hey, Sebastian, it's your grandma. <laughs> so then me and grandma, I was acting for some weird reason. I was okay. Because well, it's your like, grandma, that's too. That's messed right? up, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I be okay? Right. That's yeah, yeah. This was a long time ago. But that's what I mean. It's, it's warts and all. You're telling the stories. If you're writing a book, you got to write an entertaining book. Mm-hmm. One, one thing I've got to say about the book is that I was one thing I didn't foresee. Some people were mad that they weren't in it enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to mention names. Okay. But it's like humorous. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, like, you know, why wasn't I in this part more or whatever? I go... <laughs> I go, I didn't sit down for four years and have a list right. of people that I'm going to put in my book. And a list of people I'm not. <laughs> I just tortured myself to make something worth reading, mm-hmm. no matter what it was. Like, there's like weird sequences in the book of, like, of dreams that I've had that are strange. Mm-hmm. That the book company is like, well, we should leave those in there or should we take them out? I go, I'll leave them in there. And they're like, yeah, because it's like dynamics. If you've got all craziness, it's like boring. Mm -hmm. You have to have light and shade, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And there was one version of the book that never came out that they put all the bad shit, like at the beginning. Like they had me doing lines of speed with Lemmy in his apartment before we put out our first record. I go, what are you doing? I go, the reason I got to that was because, because of, of this. The record, if yeah. I was doing that before that, what a loser. What a sad loser. I wasn't doing speed with Lemmy before I put out my record. Ah! <laughs> but you got to be beware of that sort of stuff. Yes, because I wouldn't have ever met Lemmy yeah, yeah, yeah. if I didn't if put out a record. record. Yeah, it's like right? – Everything had to be a sequence. There was another version that had they took out all of the time and dates that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I go, why would you do that? It gets very confusing as the reader to follow. It, if the if, if it's the not, gone. that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like that's what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Like he's out with Lars doing blow. Right, right. right. Today, I go, look at yeah. this. Has to say nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I always was very cognizant of that, and also saying how old I was at the time. For me, like when I read a book, I always want. I wonder, I wonder how old he was. Right. So I'd always drop in. Uh, right. I was thirty-one at the time. Because early. certain things you would do then are not cool then. Right. When I was right. twenty-three, exactly. you know, I was doing this, yes. which makes sense for a twenty-three-year-old. You know, exactly. But I mean, once again, so many great stories, entertaining stories, and there's a real uh, great relationship with you and Axl Rose for mm-hmm. twenty five years yeah which we saw firsthand at eddie trunk studio the famous story when yes. when we were there and he's like dude i got a text from Axel rose and he was nowhere he was hiding at the time uh, yeah uh-huh you know and, and we didn't think he was i didn't think he was gonna come to the studio oh i was like come on there's no way he's coming remember, and then he did he showed up <laughs> that was legendary but then that led to you guys kind of reigniting your friendship because you were friends in the early 90s touring yes. with guns and roses and skid Row. yeah Right. Yeah, Skid Row. We opened up the full Use Your Illusion tour, uh, USA and Europe. Mm. And, uh, you know, you got to mention shit like that to clarify history because people don't really. History gets rewritten as the years go on. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the fact right there, folks. <laughs> I know you read in the press, Metallica and Faith No More opened up the user illusion term most of the time. We opened the first So you're pass. talking about the actual first tour. You're talking about the stadium tour that was Metallica yeah, well, and Faith. But you guys well, that was actual... after we were done. Right. Yeah, then we went on our own headline tour. with and How huge was that in early 90s? It was as big as you could get. It, it was three nights in every place, not one night. And neither of us had a record. Okay, Slave to the Grind didn't come out till like a month into that tour. <laughs> wow. Guns N' Roses didn't have Years of Illusion till after Slave to the Grind. Neither of us yeah, yeah. had a new record. Right, right, right. <laughs> and we were doing three sold-out nights, four sold-out nights in every city. Just because both bands were so huge. Well, they're bigger than us. Let's let's get honest. But we were very big too. But you guys were at your peak as well. We were yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, we sold twenty million. They sold like. A hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about early 91, the four bands all debuted at number one. It was, it was yeah. Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, uh, Metallica. You Bang. walk around these walls and you can go count them up. And you got all there's your gold big, records hanging big, on the wall. And stuff. I was actually fucking... thinking how cool it would have been if when Guns N' Roses did the reunion tour that you guys did that it That could have well. happened. You know? You know yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can get into that, but th- there was talk of all that and it's... Yeah. It's a crazy situation. But once again, that's something that you said you always get constantly... Asked about this and constantly skid row, skid row, skid row. Well, I know why. Because we're five human beings on a planet that are still alive, that have this opportunity sitting in front of us that we are just collectively not taking. Mm -hmm. And people are like, what a bunch of fucking idiots. (laughs) Not. (laughs) I I include myself in that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I'm part of it, but I I don't know what else I can do. I don't don't know what what else. I, I can't do. I don't know what else to do. All I know is that I have a manager, Rick Sales. Mm-hmm. He deals with them, and that's the only way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm kind of waiting to see. In the meantime, you're going to make another record. Yes, like you said yes. Vinyl '70s style. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to make a, an album that sounds like the albums that I love, mm-hmm. production wise. But listen to Kick and Scream right now. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but you you work a lot, dude. You're, you're constantly touring. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a rare time that you're home right now. Yes. But you're out. I mean, we were actually in Mexico City. We had a That's show right. there, and you were there as well. We did 50 cities from October to December. Mm-hmm. That includes a book tour. But we did 40, my solo band, we did 40, con- 40 shows. 40 shows in that time frame. In three months. We've got to switch the side now or switch the record. <laughs> We're not sure exactly what we got yet. The, the vinyl continues. Keep the Bach going. Keep the Bach going. <laughs> I like to Bach, baby. <laughs> it's great, though, just looking around here. you got an awesome picture of the Eagles. That is a, That's a great picture. you got rare Rare the, piece. The Rush little dolls there. You know, American so much cool Music stuff. Award. The American. Oh, wow. From favorite new artist, heavy metal. Yeah. See, but all that, once again, all that stuff it just reads so well in the book because you had so many great experiences. Well, this is, you know, when you go to the bookstore, there's no books on Skid Row. There's books on every other band. Mm-hmm. Like, there's five Bon Jovi books. Steven Adler's mom has a book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's, but there's zero on Skid Row. Uh-huh. Like, there's books on Cinderella, I think. <laughs> there maybe. probably is. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Not well but, read, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, so this was the first chance. And I fully expect and welcome Rachel to do a book, Snake to do a book, and probably. Mm-hmm. 
completely different perspective. But the interest is there to, to, yeah, to read I would it, think the story has never been told. That's right. You know? What I like, too, about your book, too, is because, I mean, you're a big dude. Uh, you were on the scene at, like, 15 years old. Yeah. You know, because if you had, you puffed your hair out. I did. six foot five or whatever, yeah. you probably looked like you were 20 years old. And I, I wore, we, that was the times when we wore so much makeup. Right. Like, tons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How were you doing that at 15 years old, though? I was 14, 14. when I first played Larry's Hideaway. And I was just so tall, and I I looked like 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 just tons of makeup. And they didn't like I was just so big. They didn't they yeah, they yeah. go the you can't assumed yeah. And I wore boots. Right. I was fucking like a gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a long time ago that you actually had pubic hair to light on fire. It's <laughs> a great story. It's true that that's how long ago that was. <laughs> you actually had your pubes lit on fire. Yeah, I actually got crabs because there was somewhere for them to live. <laughs> There's no why did your why did your pubes get lit on fire again? I, don't remember the I was just dr- I was at pure platinum down in Florida. Yeah, just drunk. See, I can't drink whiskey. I can't. The only the only there's something about my personality that cannot handle hard alcohol. Mm-hmm. I can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It goes in my blood, and I'm. F- Fucked. I am flock. I am. I'm crazy. Right, right. I've seen you get yeah. crazy. Well, both of us got crazy. At Jekyll and I that night, I don't know what you were drinking, but you were like me when I drink Jack. Like I you're think. wild. Like ah, like smashing shit and we, loud. And we went to see your show, <laughs> yes. and it was a very with a baseball player. It was a baseball player, uh, Scott. Scott Gordon or something. I can't remember. Something Scott, like Scott. I can't remember his last name, but it was you, me, Adrian Smith from Iron from Maiden. Iron Maiden, Paul Gargano, and and Scott. Uh, I can't remember his last name. He was a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. And do we went and saw your show, uh-huh. and then afterwards went to the local pub, went right across the street yeah. from from the Plymouth Theater. Yeah, and got just where Hamilton is playing now. I'll okay. Think. Yeah. Super loaded. Yeah. Uh, a restaurant. Restaurant yeah. rolling around on the floor. Some funny pictures exist. Funny that. Pictures. Well, if you should find that and make that the picture of this <laughs> podcast. Put up there. Uh, condiments, spraying condiments each other, yeah. spitting beer in each other's face. <laughs> Spit beer in my face, dude. Do it. Uh, I think there was some crying involved. I yeah. think I think there was a I think you might have kissed me on the lips. Uh, it was a great, great night, but afterwards yeah. I believe that you're uh, You got ba- they sent me a letter to the uh, to the theater next day that said, Dear Sebastian you are welcome here at our establishment anytime. You're such a talented, nice, <laughs> nice man. However, your friends are not permitted within this establishment. Henceforth, hitherto from this point forward, Chris Jericho and Paul Gargano will not be admitted into these premises. <laughs> banned from from the uh, pub across. Banned from, the- from Broadway. Yeah, woo. Yeah, banned yeah. from Broadway. But that's what happened. And I went. I went totally nuts. What, did, what were you drinking? A Crown Royal at the, the time. I, there you go. That's what got me. I nuts. can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can drink wine, and I I, I, I cut way back. I haven't drank right. in a while. I haven't. I just don't enjoy it that much. Yeah, yeah. But anything more than wine, I can't handle. So you were you were on the whiskey at Pure Platinum. Yes. And I just thought it would be funny to and jump up there in the cage. They had a cage. And I pulled my pants down. I was dancing and I lit my pubic hair on fire. And I didn't remember that that was a blackout drunk. Yeah, yeah. So that was a blackout. And this just recently, like four years ago, five years ago, I was on the road somewhere and go. some guy comes up and he goes, dude, I was there that night. I go, what are you talking about? Because that f***ing night in Pure Platinum. I go, what? He goes, 
when you lit your pubes on fire. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he described, I go, and I, I, I totally remember doing that, <laughs> that I fell asleep in the back of a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. I gave somebody my Skid Row tour leather as a present. Oh. The guy that let me sleep in his truck. Like the actual leather jacket. Yeah, Sebastian Bach, Skid Row, like my pride and joy. Because he let again? no. The next day, <laughs> we went back down there and got found the dude and got my jacket back. <laughs> <laughs> the whole crew, they're like, "What? Your fucking leathers? No way, man! That's so, not happening." So, talking about how much of a fan you are, and you, you, you so, so many great stories. You got to tour with Aerosmith. You're touring Bon Jovi. You're out with you know hanging with Metallica dudes and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Who were some of the guys that you met that were that met the most when you finally get to meet them in person? Well, you got to say Aerosmith, like Steve mm-hmm. Tyler, and because any of the seventies bands are even more lauded than than the eighties sure, bands. 80s guys, yeah, like everybody worships Guns and Roses, uh, rightfully so. They're the biggest band in the world, but when they came out, I was already like, uh, you know, you guys are more peers. Than, uh, they were like than, buddies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Rush, I can't even handle it when I hang out with Alex Lifeson or like he emails me sometime. I look at the screen and I fucking I want to I want to print it out yeah, and frame everyone, it yeah. like <laughs> like it's a collector's edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that freaks like the kid the bands you listen to when you were a kid that mm-hmm. freaks you out. Well, you know, one time, I, but then uh, even guys that are, you know, older than that, like I, I did a TV show a long time ago called Celebrity Duets with Hal Sparks, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I, and also on the show was Smokey Robinson, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, Gladys Knight, and I and I was just hanging with them yeah. in the back room, one I, I in the '92 Juno Awards. I got to present Male Vocalist of the Year to Leonard Cohen. I did. Wow. And me and Leonard Cohen were buddies that day. We were, and we we not ever once talked about music. Mm-hmm. He was from, I knew he was from Quebec, and my stepmother he was Canadian. Yes, I didn't know that. Leonard Cohen was from Montreal. Okay. So Leonard, I was, I knew he was from Montreal, and my stepmom was from Montreal. I used to spend time in Sherbrooke. Mm-hmm. So I go, "Have you ever been to Sherbrooke?" And he, go, and he, he knew all about the streets and the rest. That's what we talked about. We never even talked connect about, right away just on that. Just about restaurants and food. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget that because people look at him like such a god, you know. Right, right, right. Interesting though. On the other side of the coin, in your book, you talk about the the Ace Frehley experience. Even the even the Paul Stanley too, when he came to Jekyll and Hyde, kind of like let a little bit of a letdown. Well, I think that this book is about uh, being very innocent mm-hmm. as a kid and wide-eyed and it was full of wonder. And then you go through life and shit happens where to everybody – and this is just my story. But everybody has things that are disillusioning or, mm-hmm. or that uh, you weren't expecting. Yeah. I mean what is the name of Scott Ian's radio show? Oh, uh, don't meet your heroes or something. Like right. That? Well, there's some. There's something to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I did, but I, I, I would. I, you know, I, I don't want anything negative vibes or anything. But, but I, thing is, I did write that that song, and the thing is, the song with Ace. I, yeah, and I, I would say that this book is a love letter 
to kiss. Mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh. Completely. I would say there's nothing but love. Like yeah. I did write that song and it does break my heart mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. left my name on it. When, when it came out, he didn't give you credit for, <laughs> for the song. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. but that's because I'm like seen in the industry. Oh, he's the front man. Mm-hmm. I'm the songwriter. Go fuck yourself with all that. Like I'm the songwriter. You're the singer. Whoever comes up with the idea, you know, deserves the credit for the mm-hmm. idea. Like that really, that's always been a thing with me that people like to put me in this box but listen to everything i've ever put out my shit is like one thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it is sure because i am a demanding son of a bitch (laughs) but anybody good is sure anybody that's good demands the best i think too just going back to the ace thing i think once again this the realities of the business like he you know Mm -hmm. ace fraley he's going to take the publishing because right. that's how it works, you know, and that's I don't even know if it's a it, it, it sucks, but I think that's kind of when you realize how the world really works. That's it's probably, probably how it is a, a thousand times. times. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for him, I remember we went to to see him. Actually, Vinny and I, Vinny Paul and saw Ace at the Trees yeah. Lounge in Dallas. And there was like a huge lineup of people for his VIP. And he was just sitting there and wasn't quite ready to do it yet. And. It's like a Monday and Monday or Tuesday. He finally goes on at ten thirty at night, and it's like you're supposed to go on at night, dude. You can't do that. People gotta work. They gotta work, and you're making these poor people that have spent I don't know a hundred bucks to get your autograph, and it's like I'm just not ready yet. And like I think that's just how it is for him. He's been a, a rock star all these years, and just I'll do it when I'm ready. You know. If, if you listen to the song in question, mm. it is so fucking scary. <laughs> it's insane. What's the song called? It's, it, it, it used to be called. I, I like my rock hard, and now it's called Foxy and Free. Okay, and that was on the Anomaly. You, you, no, it used to be called You Make It Hard For Me. You make it so hard to say. Not the best. Right, right, right. And now, you got a Foxy and Free. <laughs> You're not a Foxy to me. That's... <laughs> So you make it hard for me became foxy and free. free. Yeah. You got to laugh though, right? Well, what, what are you going to do? You know? Cause that's the I don't care. Whatever. I do care. It really does hurt because I don't like, okay, it all really, I say the same thing about 18 in life. When I change the melody, mm-hmm. you can go listen to the guy that was in the band before me on YouTube and then listen to the, what I did. The difference is, <laughs> was from my brain. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell me that this note is worth credit, but this note is not worth credit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's been a recurring thing in my life that that bugs me. I just read the Mike Love book with the Beach Boys. What did I got in my bag. Is I it just good? read it. Is well, it... it's good, but it talks just like what I'm talking about. Gotcha. Like he helped write all these tunes. So he's writing the melody lines for like the. He's tunes? writing the words and melody right. lines, and but then just not his name's not on it. It's like mm-hmm. Brian Wilson, Brian Wilson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you, and it's like you know I understand. That frustration. Mm. You know, he's a genius. Well, he's the singer. Right. Give right, me a right. fucking break. Yeah. But the melody line counts as, as part of the songwriting, though. Melody line, but sure it does. But the thing is, when you're recording it, I don't know anybody would buy it. Right. I was right, in the bands right, like right. Rathchild, Stack Attack, and <laughs> who later became Kick Axe. Oh, I love Kick Axe, yeah, dude. I, this was my brand. I didn't know. 
Like, I thought if I got in a band, we put out a record, maybe we could be like Kickaxe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know we would sell millions of records. And at the time, you think because Kickaxe has an album, well, they, they were huge rich. to me. Yeah, yeah they must. Well, be yeah, but they I wasn't three even. Albums, I wouldn't even, even care about being but, rich. But, but yes, but you think yes, they're, they're, they're huge. Yes, they yes. got an album. I know. In the store. I know. You know. Then they got another album. They're I know. Bigger. But but the, you know? but being a Canadian big band is yeah. different than being an American. Yeah, and even big way different. Not even using the right word. You know. Well, it's like. Alex Lifeson said in the special that uh, the record companies over there are more like outposts. I, I laughed. That's what, it's like like here's the here's the Capitol Records outpost. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it that is. That guy is so funny. He now. is Alex funny. Lifeson, super. He's funny. hilarious. Another, another uh, great thing in the book is you talk about your time. This is really obscure, but as a metalhead, Madam X. When you're wow. in, in, in Madam yeah, X, yeah, I have. You have to tell the story. It's great stuff, though. Like, cause I mean, you, at the time, you're thinking like, once again, it's a big band. They got an album I in the store. I did think that, yeah. You know, and that dude. Uh, but I'll, I'll, that's really where I found out how hard it is to be a vocalist. In what to way? not lose your voice. Like, to charge money to have people come here and you sing. You better f- know how to sing. Right. Like back then, there was no in ears. There was no any. It was just like, go for it, dude. You got to find the sweet spot on stage where you might be able to hear like, yourself. And that's and just a, sing. back then. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And I was a kid. I was fifteen mm-hmm. in that band. In Madam X, you were 15? 15, 16 at the most. And you're traveling the states. Yeah, I toured the states. I toured the states. Who who are you touring with? Just Madam X? Yeah, yeah, Madam X. Yeah, in clubs, you know, just bars. You're high in high school. Yeah, I sang that every night. She's hot tonight. She's hot tonight. Good looking. (laughs) She likes her meat well done. (laughs) She likes her meat well done. There's a but, huge scream in that song. Oh too. no, yeah. no, there's wicked screams yeah, in there. Yeah. Brent Kaiser is a great singer, but I, <laughs> I, but I, my throat wasn't ready to do that. And that chapter ends with Chris Dolliver spitting in my face on stage because I couldn't sing. I was, mm. I could sing for a little bit, but like two hours a night. And with Madam X, it, it was easier when I was in Kid Wicked because it was all cover versions, right? So, you know, I knew smoking in the boys' room. And, yeah. But, you know, doing all originals, Madam X, we didn't do any covers. Mm, okay. So I was doing all Brett Kaiser stuff and trying to find my own sound. And I love the, the – the, I don't I don't think the stories in the book, but you told me before where they called you one day and said, like, okay, dude, we, we got the big tour. Yeah. What, Madam X, you're like, you're like we, got, we got the big tour. You're like, what is it, Motley Crue? Right? No. Fog hat. <laughs> Is that true? I think you told I me that. I think so, yeah. Are they people going to come? <laughs> Fog hat. Those guys are still touring. Yeah, More yeah. than Skid Row is. <laughs> so when you're, when you're putting together all the ideas for the book, was it, was it, did, did they all come to mind at once? Or like I, made a, I made like a list, and I would put 10 story ideas down and then screw off you for know, a while, come know, back, add some more. The beginning was very easy because um, – I had all these archives and these pictures that I knew I wanted to incorporate, so I, I had a good idea about that. Then when I was done with that part, I found myself saying, okay, what do I really want to write about? And I, I thought, well, how about start by telling stories that you tell like at dinner to people that makes them go, what the f***? <laughs> Just start with that. Yeah. And I had lots of stories. I, so by the time I was done with a lot of those, it was 450 pages. <laughs> just from those. Just, just yeah. from, yeah. And then I t- 
tied them all chronologically mm-hmm. to where it made sense. A little bit of a storyline. Yes. Did you have problems editing anything? I know for me it was hard to No, edit. I had problems with who was editing it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't want to put yeah, anybody yeah, yeah, under yeah. the bus. But, but, but basically yeah, I didn't like – I was very – I'm a control freak. Like one of the – People would say, why Why was the book pushed back? One of the major things that was pushed back from was italics. <laughs> really? I, I, like, I, I, I like to use different punctuation and stuff. And like when Stephen King, I love Stephen King's writing. Mm-hmm. What he tells in The Shining of like a dream or something, it's like all in italics, right? right? And if, I don't know To why, show that it's different. It's yes. A different so thing. I have tons of that in the book. Some editor just took them all out i go if you think that you're taking my italics out and it was a major thing nobody takes my italics man nobody it's like i'm gonna fly to new york and show you about italics (laughs) (laughs) do not with my any italics man but it was like that yeah yeah, and i was offended storming around the house i go you can never edit a Stephen King's book send <laughs> but when you're looking back on all those tales and I mean you you made it very young 19, yeah I did 20 a maybe. baby I mean how old was the first skid row when you first joined? I was born in 68 so dude, our that's... album came out January 6 89 so you're 20 19 you're ni- 2019 19. area I mean, no wonder you did so many crazy things. And, and I didn't even know things... what was right from wrong when you're 19. Well, you're talking, you open the book with the bottle incident, I, which is the famous story. But you're 19. I thought you were supposed kid. to do that. Right. <laughs> I thought b- that was rock and roll. Looking back now, you're kind of like, holy shit, did I not know what I was doing? No, because you're, in entertain- you're, in en- you're entertaining people. Mm-hmm. It's not... Back then, you remember, I'm a little bit older than you, but mm-hmm. I, I think it was Motley Crue who brought this in. When I was a teenager, if you somebody said, your band sucks, mm-hmm. it was your duty to fight that person. That's yeah. If you did you're it, gang, if you right. didn't, your band did suck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, excuse me? Did you, what did you just say? Right. And it was a real fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I hold it. Did you, did you... But that, um, again, again, people, that was a long time ago. And that, that's the way it was then. But, the, like, for example, when you're talking, when you're talking about the, the bottle incident... Hi. Oh, he's saying hi. He's back. Trace is back. When you're talking about the bottle incident, and we're winding down here, getting near the end, but it seemed like it was a little bit cathartic for you, because I remember you weren't really... Writing about it? Yeah, because oh, you could yeah. never talk about no, it. No, I couldn't even say sorry to the person that I hurt. Right. They said, because uh, that would change the trial. Mm-hmm. So for years, I felt like shit. Because you basically jumped in the pit. You broke a guy's jaw or broke a girl's jaw. Both. A girl and a guy. Fans at the show. Nice. There's a fun night out. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what's funny, man? Well, nothing. Nothing's funny about that. Right. That, that that Yeah, for years, I couldn't say sorry. So I I knew right away the first thing I wanted to write. I go, what do you want to write? I go, that's what I want to write. And I captured that... Harper Collins wanted me to have a ghostwriter. They wanted me to have a co-writer of this book. That that was part of the initial deal. I said, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to do that. And they go, okay, smarty pants. Hang on, dude. Hang on, hang on. So they go, okay, write something. <laughs> you know, like you're you can, auditioning to write your yeah, own book. Yeah, I, I, I had to do that. And that's what I wrote. I wrote that intro of the bottle hmm. because I knew I could write that. Yeah. I knew I could. It's a great so I started with that, and they they go, okay, we love what you wrote. Mm-hmm. You go, go ahead, write your book. 
as a result, I found with some of my books, it is cathartic to write about a certain experience. Then I could put it in the book. It's lasting forever, and I don't have to think about it as much That's anymore. Right. Well, it's you, gone. It's amazing you said that. I got to say this to everybody. Every time, you know, a lot of people, when I'm out in public or whatever, they want to come and tell me all these stories about the 80s because they look at me and they remember all this shit. And sometimes that gets on my nerves because I'm not thinking <laughs> about t- 30 years ago all the time. I'm not walking around in 2017 thinking about 89. But people like in an airport or just – recognizable they, And they all f- have a real heartfelt – story that i want to hear sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you talk about cathartic writing 450 pages about mainly the 80s and the effect that it had going forward and that time that people love to talk about that was cathartic like here you go you want to hear what i think about what happened in the 80s here is 450 pages of that yeah have at it. Right. I don't have to fucking talk. Yeah. Here you go. Just read it. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Knock yourself out. It's the fucking 80s. You know what else, too? I think as, as, as we grow older, you realize, like you said, people do have these stories. And I want to hear them more, whereas before yeah. I didn't want to as That's much. That's right. Well, because, because guess what? We're not going to remember all this. To get this on paper, that t- time of history, before the internet. Mm-hmm. All of these stories come strictly before, from your mind. Yeah. Before the internet. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there's not a lot of books about that period. There's mm-hmm. not. Like Motley Crue, The Dirt, Duff McKagan's book. Yeah, both his books there's are There's not great. a lot. There's like there's a few, but there's nothing. There's not a no, lot. No. There's a lot of books about the 70s, mm-hmm. but there's going to be more about the 80s. There's going to be. Because it's, it's, it's an entertaining time. It's yeah. fun to read those stories. It of, is fun. And I think so, like for you, for, for you like as a musician – Starting in bands when you're 12, 13, 14. Here we are now in 2017. And you have a couple songs, two or three songs that people will always remember. And it's yeah. associated with you. That's right. That's pretty f- cool, man. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, I'd say more than two because 18 in life, I remember you. Youth Gone Wild. Monkey business. People love that sure, shit. Sure. They remember and you know those what? Forever. In other parts of the world, wasted time. Mm. Quicksand Jesus. Like when we go to South America... And I do wasted time in Brazil. It's mm. insane. They, they. I don't know what it is about that tune, but a lot of people love that one. I don't. I remember seeing Rush uh, in Brazil, like some oh, yeah. rock, and they played a "Closer to the Heart," oh. and they said they could not get out of Brazil without playing "Closer." And you're thinking "Closer to the Heart," like it's okay tune, but there in Brazil, yeah, Brazil, it's the song. Well, my my on my album "Angel Down," uh, the ballad "By Your Side" was a radio hit in mm. in Brazil. It was the only country. Thank you, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like they sent me the charts and sure, 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 it was sure. A big hit. I found that interesting too uh, in the book when you talked about how your expectations for "Angel Down." You had so many expectations. I thought it was going to be like just like those albums <laughs> and it, when it was not. Once again, well, you know, I I was. I don't want. Well, that was my first record I ever put. Out after the internet. I don't count Bring 'em Back Alive because that was like '97. Compilation, sort but of also, as well. but yeah. also the internet wasn't so all encompassing. Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, the record company that put out Angels Down was Caroline Records, Merovingian Records. I can't even say that word. <laughs> I can now because I had to learn. But but you can't compete with like Atlantic sure. Records. And plus the times I mean, have changed too. Yeah. You know, 2007, 8. But it was interesting to read about that. Like I said. Oh, I 
Everyone went no. I went crazy yeah. when that. I thought it was going to be a number one album. Mm-hmm. It was me and Axel. Yeah, I mean, how on. could it not? He hadn't done anything on record. I a hundred percent thought that would be. <laughs> but you know what? As time's gone by, people love that album. Mm-hmm. American Metalhead is Great one of, one of the only songs that I can put next to Youth Gone Wild mm. in the set. You know, it's like. We always try to do new songs, but very few remain in the set as the years, as the go, years on. go on. Yeah, because you've got to entertain the crowd, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have to play what they know. But American Metalhead, that destroys the crowd. How do you decide your set when you do your shows Just nowadays? by crowd reaction, mm-hmm. but also vocally. I've, I have changed the way I do headline shows. I open up for myself. I can't do sound checks anymore. Oh, okay. I can't book 40 shows five nights a week you know you know Mm -hmm. i can't how it is yeah i cannot show up at four in the afternoon and sing four or five songs for Mm -hmm. the sound man and go back to my hotel and then come back Mm -hmm. that is too much that's too much i can do that sometimes Mm -hmm. but as far as my singing voice it's better for me to warm up to sing and do my show so how do you do it i just warm i i i come out and I start with ballads now, my, oh, like a sound check. Okay. Like my set was, I come out, start with Little Wayne, Jimi Hendrix, that people love. Then I'll do uh, Breaking Down, yeah, of Subhuman Race. Yeah. Then Battle with the Bottle, which mm-hmm. is an obscure tune that from Gone Country. Yeah. Then Eighteen in Life. Interesting. And it, the crowd fucking loves it. Then I'll either do Quicksand Jesus or Rock and Roll is a Vicious Game because we were in Canada. April 1. Then I'll do I Remember You. Then I'll walk off the stage, change my fucking outfit, come back and do Big Guns or Slave to the Grind. Then all metal. And the crowd loves it. That's interesting. The reason I do that is because everything is filmed. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. films every show. It goes up on That's right. Blabbermouth the yep. next day. So vocally, that works for me way better to do a song like I Remember You before I do Monkey Business. Yeah, yeah. And have do I Remember You after Monkey Business, I'm like this. <laughs> it do, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different energy. Well, and like you said, too, if you know, if you're filming everything, and heaven forbid if you have a bad show, yeah, you know, that's going to be there people, forever. What people don't get about that whole thing is that we, we didn't always sound perfect in, in 1989. Right. Like, nothing was filmed at all then. We, we would film our shows, Skid Row, right? Yeah. Then we'd watch them, and it's the same as it is now. It's like some... <laughs> Some was good, some wasn't. Yeah. And we would release the good but shit. But that's live rock and roll. Yeah, like, he didn't just film it, put it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, al- you're allowed to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, allowed yeah. to produce it. That's part of the art mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. You know, like I remember this big controversy in the late 90s. Kiss did overdubs on Kiss Alive. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, what? You people are stupid. Like, that's part of showbiz. Mm-hmm. And you're, you, you're allowed to do that. You talked to Paul, and most of the record was overdub. But he's most, got, all of these lines. But he's got a great point. He's like, I'm in eight inch heels. I'm yeah, jumping up and down. Jump- There's pyro going off. I'm, you know, you don't make you records. Can't sound perfect. You do not make studio records running. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're standing costume, there, yeah. 
and frozen and drinking water and the lights are right and you try it 10 times and you pick the best one out of 10. That's part of it though. That's it's like painting a picture. You're allowed to paint a a piece of shit picture, throw it out and and try Try again. Like that's, you know, exactly. Only in theater do you only have one shot only Mm -hmm. or radio Mm -hmm. live radio. Yeah. Live theater. Rock and roll. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. A last question. Um, Is there a a story that that, that you enjoyed writing the most in your book? Oh, I got to say the the Kiss concert, the same thing that you liked. Yeah. For some, you know, I have to give credit where credit's due. When I saw the uh, Kiss Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony with Tom Morello, the speech he gave. Amazing. Electrified me. Just made me feel what it was like to be a little kid kiss fan again Mm -hmm. and i go sebastian you've got to write that in your book that feeling of that Mm -hmm. and i did i did yeah but i had actually started writing that before that speech but when i saw the speech i knew he raised the fucking bar with his words that he chose to induct kiss he's like can you imagine coming from space and you see this guy breathing fire and fucking (laughs) (laughs) and it made me so excited yeah so i go in my book i have got to capture that excitement you have got to you did it's a great story thank you dude it's a great book man thank you so much and i love your books too chris and you got three out three four that is so impressive And you're going to do another one? Yeah, I sure Dude, am. Right on. High five, man. When are we going to play some gigs? I, we're waiting to do it, man. It's, That's a f- No, it's, 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 it, our record will be out in May. I just toured with Buck Cherry. Oh, dude, the, it yeah, was great. It was a great bill. We, we, did 20, we did 20 cities. That'd be a good three. Well, yeah, why not? Package. That'd we probably totally be a, We could sell some tickets. Let's go. Come on, booking agents. Come on, let's do, do it. it. We're better than Mariah Carey. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Sebastian's book is called 18 in Life in Skid Row and it's got so many more crazy rock and roll stories uh, you can tell Sebastian definitely has no problem he pulls no punches he tells it like it is he is uh, deep down inside a great guy and super super funny it's a long book but it's good really easy to read and since Spaz wrote it himself you can hear it uh, hear his voice in your head telling these stories as you're reading it's very similar to Lion's Tale or Best in the World or Undisputed or uh, my new book Noah's a Four Letter Word which comes out in August when you write it yourself it's your voice and Baz definitely did that he put in the time he put in the effort it's you owe it to yourself if you love rock and roll to check it out it's a great great story uh thanks again to baz had a great time hanging at his house in la with trace talking and listening to tunes and while i'm handing out thanks uh thanks to uh, of course the great talk is jericho sponsors including ddp yoga all you got to do is go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho to get 25% off all DDP Yoga related merch and 50% off a max pack or a combo pack. You get the second one uh, for 50% off. Uh, the price is already 25% off, like we said. Thanks also to Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash talk to save three bucks when you order the Road to WrestleMania crate. Just go to podcast1.com. Hit the killer deals button in the right corner of the page. Then go to Talk is Jericho because uh, I got to keep things rolling. I got my own show here twice. This week, I got a whole podcast network, including the newest podcast hit on the Jericho Network, The Raven Effect. It's featuring uh, my old friend Raven. He's insane. He's crazy. He's intelligent. He's funny. And he's obsessed with pop culture and muckety muck. The first episode is out, and the ratings are tremendous. We've got a hit on our hands already. Looking forward to episode two on Monday. Go subscribe on iTunes right now, and so you don't miss out uh, every Monday. And go ahead and subscribe to all the great Jericho podcasts. Of course, Beyond the Darkness five days a week. Team Tiger Austin. 
awesome every Sunday. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. They got the lovely Dawn Marie giving her expose of what was like behind the curtain uh, in ECW. And then, of course, uh, Conan, uh, keeping it 100 with Conan, the flagship monster hit on Talk is Jericho. This week, Raven is on that show. Pete Gass from the Mean Street Posse is on there. Hooventude Guerrero, the whole gang. And listen, uh, I want you guys to do me a favor. Go on iTunes, and when you uh, go to subscribe to Talk is Jericho, even if you've subscribed already, leave a comment. I want to get those numbers up. We're at about 1,400 comments right now. I want us to get to 2,000 comments. There's other podcasts out there that have uh, a lot of comments, and those mean a lot to advertisers. They mean a lot to uh, to other people checking out different shows. Uh, the comments are very, very important, the number of comments. And I think there's no reason why we can't have the most comments. So Talk is Jericho, Sexy Beast listeners. Please go leave a comment and a rating uh, right now. I know there's there's millions of you out there. We're almost at 190 million downloads. I'd like to get over 2,000 comments uh, very quickly. Can you go do that for me? Uh, help uh, help out your boy. Help me out, and I promise I'll keep you entertained twice a week, including on March 15th, 2017, when we got the biggest podcast ever as Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho less than two weeks away. So keep listening for that and keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And next Wednesday, one of the uh, longest-running employees in the WWE and had been in the rest of the business for 40 years, downtown Bruno. Harvey Whippleman, Bruno Lauer. He's done every job in the WWE, and he is here on Talk is Jericho on Wednesday. I went to his house in Memphis a few months ago, and we had a, a final conversation about Jerry Lawler and The Rock and Bruce Pritchard and everybody else, Jim Ross, his whole history. He was even the uh, Divas champion at one point. You're not going to want to miss uh, downtown Bruno Harvey Whippleman. It's going to be a great show. It's this Wednesday, so you are going to love it. We will see you then. In the meantime, and in between time, have a great weekend. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com.